Right. So, I'm getting old. I hurt my knee today. And so I'm going to sit down. I uh, turned 26. See, I'm closer to 30 than I am 20 now. So, I am... <laughs> I, I'm getting old, so bear with me. Right. Well, thanks for having me. I'm just going to talk a little bit about the Bible. But before I do, uh, I'd like to talk about fish. If, that, if that's okay. Do you know the common goldfish has a memory span of about like two seconds or something, three seconds. I just want you to imagine for a minute that the person next to you is a goldfish. And just imagine trying to have a conversation with that goldfish. We'll, we'll ignore for, the, for, the, for now the fact that obviously fish don't often speak very good English, but we'll assume that they can talk with you and converse with you, but I want you to focus on this memory thing of three seconds. Imagine what that would be like. I think we've got a pretty, pretty good illustration there. The conversation was going, hi, hi, hi. Round and round and round. I think it's fair to say that it would be really, really irritating. Do you think you'd get anywhere in that conversation at all? And even if you did, like the moment you might have started to get somewhere, they would have forgotten. And you'll have started again. Has anyone ever seen that movie, Fifty First Dates? You know, it's like every time it starts over again and again and again. Now, this concept, I don't quite know why because we don't have any fish. But when I was thinking about goldfish randomly, it started me thinking about our relationship with God. I know, tenuous link. But somehow, I feel like often I forget what it's like to be in a relationship with God. And I forget what God's done in my life. Now, who thought it was awesome? I don't know your name. Katie. What Katie was saying just earlier is amazing. Kudos for you to get up and say, like, how many of us have heard so many of those kind of stories? Or how many of us have experienced things in our lives where God has been really, really amazing, but then, like, five seconds later, we just forget about it? You have. Good. And you, and you. And some more people. Okay, we're warming up. Yeah, so within five seconds, you're like, yeah, do you know what? Like, God, I'm just praying, and you never answer, and I just don't even know if you exist, and what is this stupid Bible anyway? And, you know, round and round and round. And yet, sometimes God decides to say, do you know what? Okay, fine. Here you go. Answers your prayer heals you of something, provides you with something, and then you're like, God, this is amazing. I worship you. I praise you. I love you. God is amazing. And, but seriously, God, you know, I just have never seen anything, and I just want you to answer my prayer just once. And it's like it flips, and we've forgotten straight away. I was reading the Bible the other day. I was reading the story of Elijah, right? I don't know how many of you know the story of Elijah or whether you even own a Bible and have ever read it or not. But the story of Elijah is this guy in the Old Testament who was such, such a strong man of faith that he did this amazing 
uh, well, I guess God did it, but through him, he did this amazing illustration of this altar that burned. He was like, God, send fire onto this altar and burn it up. And he ridiculed all of these people that didn't worship God. They worshiped like a statue. He ridiculed them, shouted at them, made fun of them. And was like, ah, oh, do you know what? Maybe, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe he can't hear you. Kept on and then just prayed to God. And God showed up, burnt, burnt this altar. And then five seconds later, it seems, Elijah's like, now I'm not so popular. So I'm going to run away. And like five seconds, I mean, I'm thinking, if I imagine... If you went to school and there were two altars in the playground and a load of people, right, just, yeah. Um, and so, and a load of people in the playground were like, hey, we worship this statue of a gold-like frog over here and we think that your God is rubbish. And you're there saying, okay, fine, pray to that frog and see if he'll set light to, to this altar that we've randomly made in the playground. And they pray and they pray and you're like, yeah, yeah, go on, keep going, keep going. And then you pray to God, say, look, God, let's just show them who's really God. And God lights the fire in your school playground and you're like, oh my life, God is amazing. And then suddenly everyone looks at you and goes, whoa, this God is amazing. And then literally, like, the next five minutes, you're like, yeah. I wish God would show me, like, something amazing. <laughs> Do you know, I feel sorry for God sometimes, because I imagine God must be up there going, seriously, <laughs> I've provided for you so much, and you're forgetting about it. Elijah runs away and goes, and whines. Have, have you ever whined to God? He runs away and goes, God, save me. They'll hate me. They're going to kill me. I'm the only one left. Which was a lie. <laughs> he isn't the only one left. And he's like, nobody likes me. They're going to kill me. And God's like, literally, half a chapter before, God has shown up in this amazing way. And Elijah's like, I just, I'm just going to die. He runs for his life and prays for death. Good one, Elijah. <laughs> but seriously, how often do we forget what God has done in our lives? A lot, I think. I'm going to skip. So check this out. He then, after whining, and God then provides food. In fact, there's a bit. I've actually been really bad and forgotten my Bible. That's such, <laughs> such a bad example, isn't it? I apologize. Um, there, there is a bit. I was reading this, and I wished they'd cut out a couple of words. No, I don't wish they'd changed the Bible. I just, it was this bit where this angel appears and says to Elijah, eat. And he turns around, and the Bible says, turns around, and there was a cake <laughs> of bread. <laughs> and I'm just, surely that would make, be more amusing. You know, I just like the thought of God providing food for Elijah in the desert with just a chocolate cake. I just think that would be quite funny. Anyway, um, 
So God provides for him, even after he started to whine and started to pray and just go, God, they're going to kill me and I just don't know who I am anymore. After that, he starts repeating himself, right? I was reading this thinking, I know the story. And he prays, and then God says some stuff, and then he prays again, and God says some more stuff, and he prays again. But actually, if you look at the story, he prays exactly the same. Exactly the same thing. My little brother is training to be an actor. Yeah, he's going to be the famous one. If Dweeb doesn't work, it's my little brother that's going to pay for me. Basically, that's the hope anyway. He's studying to be an actor uh, in the college owned by Kevin Spacey. How about that? Kevin Spacey and Patrick Stewart, the guy from Star Trek and X-Men. I'm all... Shut up. It's my wife over there. That's Joe. Um, So he's studying to be an actor, and he's therefore very, very good at rehearsing lines and repeating them. Obviously, that's kind of a key element of being an actor. He can memorize these lines, even Shakespeare, you know? We're obviously in the land of Shakespeare around here. Even Shakespeare, where the English is weird, and let's face it, it's a bit weird, right? But he can remember it, and it's not even like you can pretend with Shakespeare, is it? You know, you kind of forget your line, but you know you're saying, I'm going to go over there. You can kind of not say the same line, but get away with it. He learns Shakespeare, word for word. That's irrelevant, really. It's going off my point. But he is good at learning lines, is where I'm trying to go. And my mum, my mum has always said, oh, I could never do that. I could never do that. I could never be on a stage. I could never do that. I could never act. Never learn the lines. No, it's not for me. I could never do that. And it got me thinking again, just like the goldfish. It got me thinking... Actually, how many times do we act with our relationship with God? I was reading this story about Elijah, and he wasn't praying. He wasn't thinking about it. He didn't mean what he was saying, and half of it was not even true. But he was just reeling off these lines he had rehearsed. It was like, oh, Lord, I am the only one left, and I've worked really hard for you, and then now they're coming after me, and I'm the only one left, and they're going to kill me. God says some stuff. God says some great stuff about how Elijah's been part of a huge picture, trying to remind him of this amazing illustration he's had before. And Elijah goes, oh, but I've worked so hard for you, and everyone's coming after me, and I'm the only one left, and they're going to kill me. He reels off these lines, this speech. He's almost, you can almost see him preparing it, you know, like, if God comes to me and says something, I'm going to respond by doing this. How often when we pray, do we really mean it or do we reel off these lines that we know are good or spiritual or biblical? You know, I don't want to sound like I'm massively against something like liturgy or praying a prayer that somebody else has written because there is absolutely a place for that. But if all you're ever doing is praying prayers that somebody else has written or praying prayers that you've created to be a set response, then I think you're not really meaning it enough. 
how do you pray? When God actually shows up, how do you pray? Do you keep running away? Or do you actually mean it? Finally, the end of that story finishes by not just God saying, okay, so I've done this amazing thing and somehow you've forgotten it. You silly Billy. Right, but it's okay. I'm going to give you a cake of bread. (laughs) I'm going to give you what you need. And then he keeps running away. Elijah starts to whine and God starts to talk to him and he starts to pray this speech. God says, even on top of all of that, he finishes this bit off by saying, do you know what? The next thing that you need to do is hand on the torch to somebody else because you have been part of a bigger picture. Now, I think, I was told by John that uh, you've been looking at love. Is that right? You are looking at love currently. Right, so I was debating on the way in whether I was going to open by saying when a man and a woman love each other very much. They get married, and then you learn about it then. (laughs) I digress. Um, But John told me, you were looking at love. We're looking at love. And I was thinking, what sums up love for me in my relationship with God? And I thought, the end of this passage, right, where God says, do you know what? All of what you've done hasn't been pointless. It hasn't been pointless. In fact, not only has there just been a point for your development, but you've been part of this big picture. This huge plan that is actually thought up by the guy that created everything. I mean, how amazing does that make you feel? You're sitting there going, well, you know, I I messed up. I ran away. I got scared. I started whining. I forgot what you'd done. But God says, do you know what? It wasn't for nothing. It was part of a bigger picture. You are part of a bigger picture. And I think that if you take nothing away from the sanctuary tonight, take this. If you take nothing else, take this. You are part of a bigger picture God loves you so much, he says, your life is not pointless. It's got a huge point and a hugely specific point that fits in this particular space, in this massive plan that I've made, and only you can do it. God loves you that much that he gave you a specific role in his plan.